Grace and mercy and peace be with you from God our Father and our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. It's so good to be with you here on this Labor Day weekend uh, to welcome back uh, returning students and uh, new students. Uh, my prayers are with you as you begin classes this week. Uh, we have many families as well where your kids are getting ready to go back to school as well. My prayers are with you in this time of transition. I know we have a lot of members traveling, but we also have out-of-town guests that have traveled here as well. Welcome uh, to our congregation as well. As a congregation, we currently, this is the sixth and final week of a sermon series on prayer. Prayer. And so what we've been doing each Sunday is asking a question about prayer and then kind of diving into that question. So we have asked questions like, uh, what is prayer? Why should we pray? How should we pray? When should we pray? Where should we pray? Today, the last question is, how does God answer prayer? And maybe we'll add a little sub-question on there as well. And what about when it seems he doesn't? How does God answer prayer? What about when it seems he doesn't? I don't know about you, but I have been closely following the events in Houston, Texas and the surrounding area. If you were with us last Sunday, I briefly mentioned in my sermon, we were talking last week about praying without ceasing, and I said, I'm praying for my family in Houston, Texas. I have a whole bunch of family that lives mostly in Houston and the suburbs there. I have one brother, uh, he lives in Houston, my older brother Seth, and his wife Emily, uh, their, two younger, or their two young sons, uh, Will and Gus, uh, my grandpa and grandma, my an aunt and uncle on my mom's side, aunt and uncle on my dad's side, cousins, great aunts and uncles, second cousins, I have a whole bunch of family that lives down in that area. And long story short, um, from what it sounds like, I think almost every member of my family has been able to stay uh, dry and their homes dry. I think maybe one distant relative had some water uh, in their home. Uh, last Sunday when, when we were together, and I, and I briefly mentioned praying without ceasing for my brother and his family, uh, things hadn't really gotten all that serious. Things started kind of picking up Sunday night, Monday, Tuesday, uh, and then after that with the, with the effects uh, of, the, of the flooding. Um, I spoke with my brother and his wife a couple of times on their Monday and Tuesday, um, and in our conversations, our, our conversations kept turning towards our, our faith, our faith in Jesus, this common faith that we share, and I was asking them, like, what are you guys praying for? How can we pray for you? Uh, and, and as we were having those conversations, I was thinking about this last and final week of this sermon here, how does God answer prayer? What about when it seems he doesn't, like at, in times of tragedy? So I asked them if they would be willing to have a conversation with me to record that um, and have that conversation. And so we, on Wednesday night, uh, we did. I recorded a, a, a video conversation with them, and I'd like to play it for you now. It's uh, just a, a, almost 10 minutes, not quite. Um, just a little disclaimer. Um, there, the video can be a little bit choppy from time to time. Our conversation got a little bit long-winded. I had to edit us down a little bit. Um, and just with the, the lag sometimes in the video and audio, because it was a kind of a conference call thing, if that's distracting to you, just close your eyes. The audio will, uh, will tell the story uh, well. So uh, here's my conversation with my brother, Seth, uh, and his wife, Emily. They live in Cypress, Texas, which is 20 miles northwest of downtown Houston. After watching this, we'll wrap up uh, the sermon just briefly after that. Okay, um, so when Hurricane Harvey was on its way in, um, we, we hadn't ex ever experienced a hurricane. It wasn't supposed to be coming toward Houston too much. Uh, they expected some rain, uh, but so we, we went and Emily got food and we got some extra things and actually as as time went on 
that they kept reporting mm-hmm. it was going to be more and more serious. So mm-hmm. I actually went to the store like three different times, times yeah. <laughs> to get more food and then yeah. more food and then more food. And then we thought, you know, maybe we should fill up the bathtub with water too, mm-hmm. just in case, you know, they say fill up. So you have some drinking water mm-hmm. or wash your hands in it. If you water gets shut off. Um, so we started making some of those preparations, not too intensely, I guess, but enough. Um, but then the rain started coming, got a little harder. Uh, after the first day, we got we had three and a half inches or more, five inches of rain. Three and a half. Three yeah. and a half. And it wasn't it all, that much. It all sat in our backyard. It didn't go anywhere. And so and in the backyard's holding water, but our front yard is fine and the street the is The water clear. was lapping at our back door. Yeah. We're like, after three and a half inches. This is not good. <laughs> so uh, we built up a wall in the back with extra bricks and friends came over and to make a little like wall and and behind our house friends came over we built a, a dug a ditch a trench all the way from the backyard to the front mm-hmm. and that was amazing it just let all the water out and then finally uh, after a couple days we it just started filling up the our street became a river i mean literally it was you walk into it and it pu- was pushing you over but it was started creeping up and creeping up on our um on our driveway and it was within probably eight or nine feet of our driveway and then it would go down and then it would come up to 12 feet or 12, uh, I guess 12 feet away, eight feet away. And it was just coming back and forth. Our neighbor said it's the highest he's ever seen. And um, it just couldn't, the the creek couldn't keep up. Mm -hmm. And so our street became a tributary of the creek, Mm -hmm. which is crazy because the sewers were completely full. There was no more room in the sewers. It had to go somewhere on, on land. We started moving all of, Mm -hmm. as much as we could up higher, preparing for water in our house. We have a loft, not a two-story house, but a loft. So we were able to move a bunch of like really important stuff up to the loft and um, ready to sleep there. We were moving everything we needed to sleep there mm-hmm. for the night in case we needed to. We had stopped for just just to take a breather, and we were playing uh, the game Trouble with the boys. We have a, a six-year-old um, and a three-year-old, mm-hmm. and so um, we were playing Trouble with them, and then we heard. You know, no power, so everything's really quiet mm-hmm. except for the rain. And we heard this big, huge truck, and we knew that, you know, no trucks, no cars are getting through. The water is really deep on our street, and so um, we ran, all ran to the front door to go look. And it was the National Guard. Mm-hmm. They were knocking on people's doors and inviting them to come with them. Do you want to evacuate? And um, we kind of looked at each we other and we're like, time. we didn't have power. The, we didn't know how much higher the water was going to get. I gotta be still honest. Raining. I gotta be honest. There's a little guy pride for a second. Like we can do this. You know what I mean? We're going to be okay. You know, I mean, it's not a big deal. We don't need to be rescued. Like it's still 10, you know, we still got six feet, you know, there's just a little bit of that. And then I looked at my wife and I was like, our two little boys and there's no dog. power and our dog. And I'm like, what if 2 a.m. The power is out and the water's coming into our house. Mm-hmm. What do we do then? So we grabbed whatever we could and we jumped on the back. Well, the we had to cross some of the water in the street to get to the truck. And it was like yeah. mid-thigh to me. Yeah. Um, we we're carrying the boys and it was raining. And we Addy. get on there. We're the first people on the uncovered truck. And they said, we are driving around your neighborhood until we're full. And then we'll take you to the shelter. Um but the devastation that we were seeing, especially once we got to the back of our neighborhood where the creek is and the water was way higher in those houses. And mm. um, I really saw a lot of the devastation and that's where it just broke my heart. Like yeah. just how bad it was. But we got to the well, shelter we got there. 
And then um, all of the dry clothes that we had brought were soaked because we spent an hour and a half on yeah. them. But um, at the shelter, they had um, clean, clo- clean, dry clothes of every size, tons of shoes. Um. They were amazing. Not long after there, um, we posted on Facebook, um, and we had at least half a dozen friends going, we're going to get you. We're going to find a way across the creek or around the creek. Or Finally, they, um, we found someone that was not one of those people. We just got word a few hours ago that um, our power is back on finally at our house. There was no, we were able to check on our house. Um, we um, didn't have any water in our house. In fact, the po- at the point where we evacuated was the highest point of the water. And we'll be back at the be house back tomorrow. tomorrow. So I was just thinking, you know, as I hear you tell that and, and as our church has been talking about prayer, um, you know, we're today we're talking about how God answers prayers, um, and and what about when it seems He doesn't? <laughs> Can you guys kind of paint a picture of what maybe some of the specifics that you remember praying for in the midst of some of that stuff? And like, did God answer your prayers? One thing we didn't tell you about was that we were running across a lot of tornado warnings and. Um, several came straight through our city of Cyprus, and um, that part was really scary. I remember vividly praying for protection during that when we were huddled in the bathroom with the boys and um, praying especially for our six-year-old. He gets really anxious about things, and I didn't want it to be a really scary situation. Yeah. I remember praying with him yeah. in, the be- in the bathroom and just praying for our safety and that... Um, God surrounds us with his protective arms. And mm-hmm. um, I remember before the flooding, like before the hurricane even hit, before we even had rain, just praying that we would be safe and that our house would be protected. Um, but I think as as time went on, I, like the, the house prayer stopped mattering as much. Like I, mm-hmm. I was like, well, you know, if, if something happens to the house, it's just, it's just stuff and we can replace that and people will help us. And, uh, we don't have flood insurance, but we know lots of people who, who want to help and yeah, I don't want it to happen, but God, God's got this. And I think, um, I think with prayer that, um, a lot of times as you, as you draw closer to God, that, um, the desires of your heart change and mm-hmm. you, you start to realize the, the, the importance of, of different things and you draw closer to him and you're more in line with the will that he has for your life. And, um, and so your prayers change because you start at first you're praying for one thing. And then as you're closer to him and you're relying on him, he leads you on the path that he wants you to be on. And, yeah. Um, and I, I would say mine, mine was led from the the house thing to protect this house guardian angels i remember saying guardian angels with like shields of like i airtight protection around around our house from the water i mean specifically praying for that like that there would be a hedge you know of protection and then i remember it going i remember hearing god almost speak words into my prayer like his words coming my about life and not about protecting the house, but I want to protect life. Mm. 
I love, I, I am a God of life, not necessarily a God of stuff. I want life. And, um, and so I started hearing, you know, I was watching, hearing about people just barely, barely surviving and getting out. I'm like, take care of my family, mm-hmm. protect our lives, you know, so that then we can care for others. And I started hearing that, like, keep our house dry so that we can have the time and capacity to care for other people. The desires that we had at the beginning were very much like me centric. And then it became like, look open. God was opening our eyes to look at the community around us and the ways that, that the people he was leading us to through that, the other family that evacuated, um, with us that we stayed with the first night, um, they're not believers. And we got placed in a home with them where we were able to pray with them, where we were able to, um, their apartment flooded halfway up on their first, Mm -hmm. their first floor. And so they likely lost everything. Their cars are underwater. I mean, just, and, and being able, now we're Facebook friends and we have a relationship with them and we can, you know, that like, there's just things like that, that God just works through these ways. And like the prayer isn't necessarily at first, the thing that even matters the most as he goes through that with you and you're in line with him and you're thinking, God, God's got this. Then the other things start going into place and it, it takes you, he takes you in a place that you maybe never would have imagined that you would be. As I listen to them tell their story, uh, I know that my prayers were pretty much in alignment with what theirs were. My prayer for my family also was the same. Lord, watch over them, protect them, keep their house safe and dry. Now you listen to the story and the end result was, it certainly sounds like God delivered. God answered our, our prayers, right? It seems like it. Everything we were asking for, God delivered on. But then in talking to my brother and his wife, what about their neighbors? I mean, you just go one or two streets over from them and, and, and houses are just ravaged. And they mentioned the closer you get to the creek, they've been working tirelessly as the waters have receded, uh, going into their into the neighbors' homes, their churches, putting teams together, uh, and, and just gutting house after house after house after house. Uh, what, what about them? You can imagine that in, in those homes there were people praying similarly, right? Lord, watch over us, protect our homes. So what are they supposed to believe at this point? Or, or what about if, if my brother and his wife had prayed for their house to stay dry? What if it had flooded? What would we say? Do, does God hear prayers and, and answer prayers? How does God answer prayers if he doesn't seem to answer them? Those are big questions. Aren't they? You've asked the same thing before. Lord, don't you hear me? Don't you hear what I'm asking you? Why uh, is deliverance not occurring right now? Those kinds of questions are so big, so vast, and I I have to be honest with you, so unanswerable most of the time. Yet as human people, we are constantly at that place where we find ourselves begging and pleading, God, Lord, hear my prayer, answer my prayer according to what I desire. Yet, I believe that the sovereignty of God, the vastness of God, the providence of God, the way that God's will is done in this world is so big, so vast, that none of us in our human finiteness can understand it. It's interesting. I was speaking with my mom last Friday. So this video uh, occurred on Wednesday night. I talked to my my mom on Friday. And when I was talking to my mom, 
uh, about prayer and about this whole conversation, my mom said to me, I can tell you that when that National Guard truck came to their house, that was an answer to my prayer. <laughs> that was an answer. She said they weren't praying to get rescued, but I was praying fervently for them to be rescued. So how does God answer prayer? I believe sometimes God gives us a definite yes. And then sometimes an immediate yes. Sometimes God gives a definite no. I think sometimes God gives a definite, even though it might not seem to us, not yet. And sometimes God's even answering other people's prayers, like he did for my mom, through our life situations. Again, to consider the vastness and power and providence and sovereignty of God, we just simply can't quite fathom that. And so what do we do in situations like this? We focus on what it is that we know and what we know to be true. And here's what we know to be true. We know that Jesus Christ, the very Son of God, came into this world. He was born into this world, born into the flesh to bear our sin and be our Savior, as we say. Jesus Christ went the way of the cross so that you and I don't have to be traded places with us, taking our sin. We know that on that cross, Christ paid the once and final sacrifice for our sin, and they buried him in a grave. Three days later, Jesus Christ rose from the dead, walked on the earth for 40 days, ascended into heaven, where he currently rules and reigns over all things until that last and glorious day where he comes again to make all things new. We know this. This is absolutely for certain true, and it is good for you. It is grace for you. This is grace for you. The, the scriptures say that God gives us grace upon grace upon grace. Undeserved gift upon undeserved gift upon undeserved gift. Paul says that the grace of Jesus Christ is so strong that it is perfected in our weakness. It's perfected in our weakness. This is what Paul says today in uh, 2 Corinthians 12, starting at verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations a thorn has given me in the flesh. A messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses, so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I'm content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, and calamities. For when I'm weak, then I'm strong. Paul pleaded with God three times for this affliction to be taken away. Was it? No. It was not according to Paul's desire, but it was according to God's that this thorn in the flesh should remain. We know this truth of Jesus Christ, that he's ruling and reigning, that he has risen from the dead. We know this. We know that Jesus Christ has come for us. And I love the way Paul says it, that the power of Christ is perfected in my weakness. Let me say that again. The power of Christ is perfected in my weakness. What does that mean? It means that Jesus Christ came to save sinners, of whom I and you are foremost. We are sinners in need of salvation, and Jesus Christ came for us. If we are not humble, 
If we are not broken, if we do not confess our sins, then we're saying to Jesus, I don't need you. But when we humble ourselves, confessing our sins before him, the power of Christ is at work in our weakness. You are a chosen child of God. You belong to him. His grace, I pray, is sufficient for you. I don't know if you were paying attention to the way that my sister-in-law explained her prayer life, but I love what she said, and I, I agree with it. She was describing how in her prayer life, and not just in that moment, but day after day after day, in, in that daily obedience, in that daily communication with God, she said that her prayer, her prayer even shifted. Her prayer changed in the midst of praying. Prayer for self, it, it eventually changed to prayer for other people. God works even in the midst of prayer to change our hearts, to change our desires. And I believe that when we desire for the will of God to be done in our lives, that we are transformed into his likeness and our will actually conforms to his will. And so this is my prayer for us, that we too, like Paul, could be content in all things. This is how Paul is able to be content. He says, I can be content in weakness, in insult, in hardship, in persecution, in calamity. He's content in those things, not because he enjoys having them in his life, not because that they are fun things to endure, but he knows that in those things, God is at work and the power of Christ is perfected in our weakness. And in that, he is pure and simple, content. Content. My friends, I pray the same for you and for me, that whatever you face, whatever hardships you endure, that in your prayer life, that your prayers would conform to the will of God. And so each week, we are wrapping up with a little takeaway, something to put into practice. So, so here it is today. Maybe this seems overly simple. I don't know. Maybe you already do this. But here's what I want you to do. Over the last five weeks, we've been talking about prayer and giving you different ways to pray. I don't know what your prayer life looks like, but if you're anything like me, oftentimes my prayers become ask, 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 demand, demand. You know, like, like my three- and five-year-old do to me often, it seems like it's just demand after demand after demand. You know, and sometimes it's like, honey, sweetie, no. <laughs> honey, sweetie, yeah, okay. Honey, sweetie, just not yet, not right now, right? I, I believe that when we pray according to the will of God, that our lives are transformed into His, that we will understand more and more what His good and gracious will is for our lives. And that is just this. It is good, and it is gracious, and it is eternal. Christ rules and he reigns, and he's coming back for you. May the peace of God, which goes beyond your human understanding, keep your hearts and minds in one true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Just one quick announcement. One more slide on here. Uh, next Sunday, when we gather together for Rally Day, each rally day, we always kind of kick off our whole ministry with a four-week sermon series and a small group Bible study. So put together this uh, sermon series and small group Bible study for us called People of Hope. People of Hope. We'll talk more about hope next week and how as Christian people we can be people of hope. Uh, if you desire to participate in a small group Bible study for these four weeks, there's information in your bulletin, sign tables in the back. And if you, if you can't get into a small group, we'll even make the study resources available to you. We'll get you more about that next week. So may God go with you and grant you his strength.